97 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. Oh, man. Another day. Adam, what's what's in the news today? I think I think we should start with this. New York now has roughly 5% of coronavirus cases worldwide. New York has 15,000 confirmed cases, up 4,000 since just yesterday. New Jersey has another 2,000 cases. It's just getting worse, is what Mayor Bill de Blasio has said. Is that 15,000 in New York City or... 15,000 in New York State. Either way, it's an insane number. That's New York, New York State. Of course, uh, a lot are in the city. I, I think it's interesting for us because we both debated early on if the city was the right place to ride this out. Mm, I had last weekend, you remember, I, I had basically an entire existential crisis over the course of last Saturday and Sunday, whether to get out of the city or, or whether to stay it didn't dawn on me then that the city would really be the center of the pandemic. And now it feels like, at least in the United States, New York really is the center of it. My parents, my family. Momo. People keep... No. Momo, don't eat the plants. Sponsor cat can't be controlled. But, you know, my parents, my family, they're, they're calling and they're saying... Are you okay in New York? There's understandably a lot of concern about anyone who's in New York right and, now. And you walk the streets and it seems totally fine. I think what's interesting is your family very aggressively moved your grandma from New Jersey to Nantucket. Where she'd already been in very aggressive isolation. And what I think is so interesting about this is the whole island effect, mm. right? The idea that an island is somehow safe. Right. This mm. this I first came across uh, in 2012 when uh, myself and two friends we were going to bike around Iceland, and my mom agreed to this because she thought, well, it's an island; it must be safe. <laughs> Nothing bad can happen to you on an island. Whereas and now, Adam's also an island. Right. That's true. Lots but of bad but stuff escape from New York <laughs> is you know all about uh, getting out from the containment zone of Manhattan. However. Uh, Nantucket is where your grandma went to be with your parents and um, some other family. What I think is interesting, though, is today the Steamship Authority, which is the company that runs the ferries between Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket, two islands off the coast of Massachusetts, has now explicitly asked people to stop coming to the islands because the islands are not a safe haven. Some of them already have cases, and the uh, healthcare infrastructure is extremely limited like, there are nice hospitals, right? Mm. But it is very hard to get someone off the island to yeah. take them to another hospital. Whereas in New York City, you know, there are tons of hospitals and you can load balance a little better. And I'm just thinking back to, I told my parents, I said, we should leave right now and we should go to Martha's Vineyard. Like, we'll be able to hang out there. It'll be calmer. No one will have coronavirus there. And that was clearly wrong. But evidently, a lot of people have done that because... You know, now they're telling people, stop doing this. If you mm. live here and this is your only house, like, yeah, of course, you're allowed to be here. But if you have a second home and this is where you think you should ride this thing out, that may not so, be so good. Like, we are starting to deal with the situation of rural communities getting hit by people who are fleeing the cities, but the rural communities are not built to handle this. 
So I have a lot of mixed feelings on this, and I, I don't think we should overreact. The situation in Nantucket, in, in Martha's Vineyard, is probably better now than it is in New York, where there are thousands upon thousands of cases. Nantucket just had its first case today. But you are right that the healthcare infrastructure there is really limited. And the way I thought about this previously was, as you said, there are not a lot of people there. It's an island. It's going to take longer for the virus to get there. They have hospitals that are set up to manage the influx of people over the summer. And there are very few people on the island now. So if if you do get sick, it may actually be a better place to get sick than in one of these enormous New York hospitals where there are going to be a lot, a lot of sick people. And I still think that may actually be true, but we we just don't know. And, you know, a few days ago, I, I called my parents and I said, you should really find out how many ventilators are on Nantucket to make sure that what we're doing is, is the right thing and that that's the right place for, for you guys and, and my grandmother to be. But I've got to say, I don't know what the right answer is. And I think I think now the answer is don't go, right? Definitely it's don't a, go. It's a tragedy of the if common you're not situation, there, right? Don't go. The the people who went first are going to be okay as long as no one else comes. But if everyone does it, then everyone gets broken by this, right? Mm. Like I have a friend who likely has coronavirus. Um, you know, untested since testing is so limited, and they're young. The symptoms weren't bad. Their fever broke after two days, but. They made the decision with their significant other to go to a different part of New York State where the parents were, where the hospital system didn't have that many cases on the off chance that this person needed to go to the hospital, right? Mm. And that's fine for one person. But if, but everybody if everyone starts to do it, that's where you start to have problems. And I think we're still in the early stages where you can get away with that. But in a week or two, I think we're going to be hearing about other parts of the state being overwhelmed and running out of beds. What's interesting about this crisis, and we were talking about it yesterday too, is how individual actions that make sense for one person or one family on the scale of our entire society cause things to break down. You, you were talking about, is it okay to go outside, go for a run, maybe you go over and see your friend, and it's fine if one person does that, but if, if everyone does that, then then that may not be the case, and I think that's the case here too. And you know, early on, what really came out of the initial reaction to this crisis, too, was how New Yorkers live in totally different worlds. Some people were able to flee to the Hamptons or wherever, and some people were stuck in New York. Now what it seems is even those places that people fled to will eventually become overwhelmed with the crisis, and it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like there's a great solution for that. Yeah, I think... For me, I wish the rules and terminology had been clearer. What does social distancing mean? And I think that's kind of an opaque, unclear term. What would have been clear is you are allowed to be within one mile of your house and you're allowed to go out for groceries once a week, right? You put in place something like that, mm. all of a sudden people know what it means. Because today I went with my two roommates to buy plants for our deck, right? totally fine, right? We probably didn't get anyone sick, but did we double the chances, triple the chances by taking three people instead of one person? Was this trip strictly necessary? What would the government have had to say for me to be like, yes, I would love to have an herb garden, but 
that's less important. Mm, I, I experienced the same thing this morning. I, I drove actually upstate to ride my bike for a few hours and I didn't interact with a single person the whole time, but even still, I don't know if everyone did something like that, it, the outcome probably would be a lot worse than everyone just really staying home. So I, I agree with you that I wish uh, folks would really just clarify what, what social distancing means. Speaking of staying home, I think it's time to introduce uh, today's our, our guests. Today. Yeah, I'm excited um, about this. We'll give them a call. They're a bunch of Peace Corps volunteers who have been evac'd and brought back to the U.S. And i um, curious to ask them about their uh, experience. So let's give them a call. Hey. Hello. Welcome to Coronapod. Can you hear us? Yep. Great. Nice to meet you guys, by the way. I'm Matt. Hi. Um, So why don't you give us some some background on yourself, introduce yourselves, tell us where you were when you got back. Um, How did you guys end end up back in the U.S. a little earlier than planned? Um, Okay, do you want to, should we each introduce ourselves? Sure. Um, so I can start. My name is Lindsay Gretschfield. I was an education volunteer, an English education volunteer in Southeast Moldova. Um, and we were all evacuated on relatively recently. Um, we found out about a week ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm Corey Sung. Uh, I'm a community and organizational development volunteer. Uh, in the center of Moldova, and yeah, like Lindsay, we were all evacuated. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm Juliet Crellin. I'm also a community organizational development volunteer. I lived in a small village in Moldova, and yeah, we found out just over a week ago on Saturday evening um, of last week that we were being evacuated. Um, yeah, as you probably know, all the Peace Corps countries have now been evacuated because of COVID-19. Um, in Moldova, it was pretty necessary because the whole country was kind of shutting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was um, actually an interesting experience. Um, fortunately, due to various factors related to the country shutting down, there was a pretty big gap of between when we sort of received the call that we were getting evacuated and when we were actually able to take a plane out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, So during that time that we got to sort of watch the country shutting down, like from the uh, hotel where we were staying, and it was definitely kind of a surreal experience, as it's been in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's certainly been surreal. Hmm. And and where, where are you guys now? And are you safe? Are you healthy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're safe. We're safe and healthy. Yes, we're uh, we're in Boston, mm-hmm. and we've we're just uh, out, as a result of coming up from abroad, we have to self isolate. So so we're staying together, um, so to minimize risk to others, mm-hmm. um, and isolating ourselves just to make sure because we have been traveling internationally and because we are coming from a country with cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What differences did you see in how Moldova was shutting down versus how the U.S. has responded? Is it more restrictive here, more restrictive over there? 
I mean, to be perfectly honest, it's difficult to compare just because the demographics of the countries are so different. Um, Moldova is a very small country um, with very centralized government. And as you know, the U.S. is a very big country um, with very different responses in different areas. A lot of the response in the U.S. is coming from the states and at the state level. Um, And Moldova doesn't really have that kind of... um, that kind of government, that kind of infrastructure. Um, so to be honest, it's difficult to compare the two. Um, but I will say that, you know, it, it follows in both Moldova and in the U.S., it follows the trend worldwide of um, governments responding to the best of their abilities and the best of their infrastructure. Yeah. Um, I Unfortunately, think- like, you know... It's, this is unprecedented. I think, for instance, it's a lot easier for Moldova to isolate itself than it is for the United States to isolate itself. Moldova only has one airport, and that services the whole country, and it's the size of a small airport in the United States for, like, a small city. So they shut that down, and then they were closing the border entries. Um, so it's just much easier for Moldova to say that no one can enter or leave the country than it is for the United States to say that no one can enter or leave like a state or something like that. Also, Moldova has what a million and a half people, two million people, something like that. Yeah. So it's just it's so tiny that the biggest threat facing Moldova really was people coming back from abroad, and so that was really the risk they were trying to mitigate because as Italy shut down, all the people, all the Moldovans who were working abroad in Italy were coming back home. And that's why Moldova reacted quite quickly, was because that's when Moldova's risk really started going up. Yeah, we were also expecting a lot of um, those work, um, people who worked abroad to come home in first because of like an upcoming uh, celebration at Easter, which is the largest holiday in Moldova. Um, So the government reacted fairly quickly in that sense. Yes. Um, I believe officially um, Moldova only got its first case um, early March. A, early March, a, about a less than a week before we received the call that we were going yeah. to be evacuated. So, mm-hmm. um, all the, of course, like due to uh, people who are asymptomatic and otherwise, um, it's difficult to know. Like, yeah, I will say that the government of Moldova reacted very quickly. Um, after that first official case appeared, um, and that that is to be commended. To be honest, I felt very safe in Moldova because most of us were living in small communities mm-hmm. where people have, you know, you don't really have to go to the supermarket. Everybody has food in their basements, and they have their gardens and thing like things like that. Extremely yeah, and all the schools had shut down a bit very quickly, very quickly right after they away. first got a case. And we're being shut down through the summer. So, you know, we didn't really have anywhere we could go. So they isolated everybody very, very quickly. Can you talk about what the evacuation process was like? Did the the Peace Corps say, like, here's your ticket, get out? Was there, you know, like uh, anything fancy? Or is it kind of like you you need to figure out how to do, how to leave, like buy your own ticket? How did that work? <laughs> We are the children of the yes. federal government. <laughs> they were incredibly well taken care of by the Peace Corps leadership on our post. Yeah. Um, they really went above and beyond the call of duty to do a very, very difficult task. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, airport shut down before we were able to be evacuated, they did have to coordinate um, a chartered flight. A yeah. chartered flight with 
various governments in Moldova and in America. Yeah, they had to negotiate between like the heads of state yeah. just to like get flight out. Mm-hmm. And both the American embassy in Moldova um, and leadership really went above and beyond to take care of us every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we were sort of the opposite of left on our own and given a take and told to get out. Yes, okay. definitely. We were, yeah, we had our hands held the entire way. Which is we had no responsibility. We were just told where to go. Which yeah. was incredibly important. Um, yes. Because it turned out to be a lot more of a complicated operation mm-hmm. than yeah. I think anyone realized because of the, escalate, the escalating situation. Yeah, to give you like a timeline of what happened, we found out that we might be waiting about a week and a half ago and then we found out officially that we'd be evacuating on Friday of last week and then we only found and then on Saturday evening we found out we'd be evacuating Monday and then we had to leave our villages Monday morning and then we ended up staying in the capital for a number of days but yeah, it was a very fast process, and it was a lot for Peace Corps to handle, and I thought that our post did a really good job. Yeah, and despite, like, complications, like, they did their best to, like, really take care yeah. of the entire process. They, they uh, honestly, I don't think the leadership slept for several days. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, and especially because it was just so complicated, and um, there were a lot of false starts where we thought we were going to be able to leave, but because of varying various negotiations we weren't able to basically in short this is um this kind of event is something the world hasn't seen um perhaps ever um and so an operation this big like it's nearly impossible for it to go smoothly and i think given the circumstances um just everyone at peace corps moldova really really did their best and at the embassy as well yeah and in washington (laughs) And how has coming back to America been? I imagine when you were in Moldova, before all of this happened, you expected that when you came back to America, you would have a lot of culture shock coming from maybe a small village in Moldova back to a really developed country like America. But the country you've come back to is probably right now a little unrecognizable, too, from what you left how has that felt it's been i think one of the biggest i mean it's very shocking especially since um you know i'm from new york city and i didn't really feel comfortable going back home because of what's going on in new york city right now which is why i came to boston um so that has been a very shocking experience and very surreal i honestly thought that it would feel a lot more protected, especially at the airport in the United States. I was honestly very surprised by the lack of restrictions that we had entering the country. Um, I thought that we would be tested or at least have our fevers checked or something like that, but we we had nothing like that. I think that honestly has been the biggest shock for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a surreal time in Moldova and it's a surreal time here. Um, to be honest, like, I think that any sort of normal culture shock that I would have coming from uh, returning from Moldova it has been surpassed by the shock of 
what's happening on a global scale. Yeah. Yeah. The grocery store was quite interesting, though. There's still toilet paper in Moldova. Yeah. <laughs> and there, it, you know, I think we already we all knew that coming back to the like options available in the United States would be wild. Yeah. And even with like you know the grocery stores being a bit more picked over than usual, it was still quite the culture shock. In a way, like since we were held up in um, Moldova for quite a while, we like kind of had the opportunity to like see like how they're developing back home, mm-hmm. like grocery stores yeah. being yeah. like kind of raided and like streets being very empty. Mm-hmm. But, That's yeah, but even then, like coming home, like it's been kind of weird, like. I this Boston's my home, and it's like very weird to see like the streets being very empty. Um, it's a very different kind of shock, not really a culture shock, but just like a shock of like how this uh, pandemic has like affected daily life back home. Yeah. So you guys have been back for a couple days now, and you've got another week, week and a half until your fourteen day quarantine or self isolation is up. What next? My understanding is that the Peace Corps program is essentially, like, canceled. Like, you guys are now back in the U.S., but don't necessarily have next steps for what you guys were going to do, right? You were planning to be in Moldova for many more months, um, and now you're plopped back here with kind of not necessarily the best economic situation and lots of people out of work. Like, what what are you guys thinking about, or are you just saying... Let me get through these 14 days, and then I'll figure that out. Well, I think this is something that, um, I think that this is something that a lot of Americans are thinking about now, not only volunteers, but people who work in the service industry, um, people whose jobs don't unfortunately give them the ability to keep their job and work from home as cities are shutting down. Um, and I think uh, both in terms of us and in regards to many of those people, the best thing we can do is, you know, kind of get through it, get through these 14 days and see where we're at because, um, you know, this is, the situation has truly developed very rapidly mm-hmm. um, and we don't know where it's going to go from here. So yeah. um, there are a lot of people at Peace Corps Washington, there are a lot of people at our post who are working very, very hard um, to get volunteers back as soon as possible. Um, but given the current state that the world is in, um, you know, who knows where we'll be in three days, who knows where we'll be in two weeks, and who knows where we'll be here, mm-hmm. uh, not only in terms of Peace Corps, but in terms of our country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're we're doing our best. Um, we're trying to stay productive. Yeah. And we're definitely thinking about the future, but everything right now has to be hypothetical, just by nature of the situation. Yeah. And it's a bit of a better, it's a different situation, you know, depending on where you were in our, your service. Like, Corey and I were a bit farther along in our service. We only had five months left in Moldova anyway. I think it is a bit, it is much more for people like Lindsay, who she was nine months nine, into your service. Yeah. yeah, she was nine months into a, a 27-month service. So I think... And they only found out a bit later than us that this was going to be the end of their service for now. And I think that is a very shocking thing to deal with when you kind of had two years of your life planned out. Yeah. Um, And I really, I feel for everyone. I feel for you, Lindsay. I mean, it is difficult. By nature, it's difficult. Um, 
especially because I was finally getting to the point where I felt truly at home in at my site, um, in my town. Um, but fortunately, I mean, the silver lining of all of this is that um, really, like, I've been able to stay engaged with my students at my site. I've been able to stay engaged with um, my partner teacher. As I mentioned previously, I'm an education volunteer, um, which means I uh, was working in a school teaching English. Um, and so I've been able to continue tutoring many of my students via Skype, um, and I've been able to continue working with my partner teacher to um, plan activities because she's also conducting uh, lessons online because they are also in quarantine right now. Um, for me, it's really been a gift um, to be able to continue working with these incredibly talented, bright students uh, who I care about so much. Um, so as terrible as it is, like, I don't really feel as though I've truly left my sight behind, um, when I'm still able to be connected. Well, guys, <laughs> glad to hear that you are all safe. Um, glad to hear that people worked so diligently to make sure that everyone is okay back in the U.S. Um, Lindsay, Corey, Juliet, we hope that you guys get to back uh, get back to Moldova soon. We hope that uh, we all get out of this crisis soon. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, good luck with the rest of your self isolation. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. Yeah, have a great day. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. That's a tough position to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think it is incredible. Um, this, the story of how everyone was able to be evac'd back mm. is uh, a rare bright spot in the federal response to um, <laughs> this crisis. I was honestly surprised to hear that they felt so positively about the whole experience and, and how it was handled by the federal government. I guess one part of the federal government, as you said, is, is doing its job all right. And it's great to hear that some of them are able to keep doing what they're doing, even from abroad. Mm. So Adam, I think we're just about at the end of our show, but we'd be remiss if we didn't remind ourselves and our listeners in a tough time like this to make sure you're calling home, calling your family, calling your friends, checking in on your loved ones, and just being in touch. Yeah. Yeah. Keep in touch. Well, that's it for us. Until next week, which is tomorrow, thanks for listening, and stay healthy. This was Coronapod. Pod is brought to you by Momo the Cat. Follow her at Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat. <laughs> <laughs>